Welcome to My Autism Tribe, a community of advocates that are linked by autism, but bound by strength. This is a time to find our sounding board and shoulders that help us carry life's load without the fear of criticism. We give and receive. We nurture and empower. I'm your host, Susan Scott. Raising children on the autism spectrum has its challenges, its rewards, good days and bad days. Perhaps as a parent, you've often questioned yourself on what life would be like if your child was not on the spectrum, and if you would even want that. On today's episode, we're speaking with Shanna Bennett. She's the mother to twin boys that are on the autism spectrum, and last year she was also diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder. Shanna is now advocating for others and advocating for herself. Hi, Shanna. Thanks so much for joining us. Why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about your amazing twin boys? Well, my boys just turned five, and uh, they are fraternal, so that means that they are no more alike than any other siblings. They just happen to be born together. It was difficult when, for about a couple of years of, of their life, that it was really, really hard, and we, we just... We didn't know why it was hard. It was everything was just difficult, and it turns out that both of my boys have autism, mm-hmm. and they were diagnosed at two and a half in 2016. What were some Basically, of you say that it was hard? What were the things that were hard for your boys? It, there were a lot of things um, due to the fact that they were twins and they were my first kids. I didn't really know what the problems were. I just mm-hmm. knew that we were having a really hard time. My kids didn't really sleep like other kids. They would stay up all night long, mm-hmm. bouncing. One of my sons would do this thing when I would leave the room. and If he didn't want me to leave the room, he would actually hit his head on his mm-hmm. crib as an indication that he wanted me to come back. Mm-hmm. And so that was, you know, it, as a mom, that's, that's a little disturbing to see. I, like I said, they were my first kids. I didn't really know what having a baby looked like. Right. So all of these things that were going on just seemed hard. They didn't really seem wrong or like I needed to get help. Sure. Um, I just thought that, we were having, you know, a hard time because they were twins. Yeah, sure. And um, and so I think that definitely added to it, but one of my sons would uh, bounce. He would just jump and jump and jump in his crib. Mm-hmm. And to the point where it was hours, he would just jump for hours. And mm-hmm. we didn't really understand, like, we were just like, wow, he's just going to be really athletic. Yeah. We thought, you know, he's got a lot of energy. Maybe he has, maybe he's hyper. We, we just, you know, we didn't really know. Um, the kids would cry a lot. I think um, I didn't realize that it was maybe more than other children, but they were extremely irritable. Mm-hmm. And one of my sons needed to be held extremely tight in order to calm down. Mm-hmm. And um, it was almost, I almost felt like maybe I would hurt him, squeezing him as tight as he needed to be squeezed. Sure. But it was really the only thing that worked. Yeah. I remember when Alex was probably around 18 months, 18, 20 months, I would lay him down in bed and 
I had the little video monitor that I would watch, and he took an extremely long time to fall asleep. And there was one night in particular, and I don't know why this particular night stayed with me, but it sounded like he was a wolf howling, like he would just howl. And I remember saying out loud, oh my gosh, he sounds like a little wolf. And looking back at it, it really kind of sounds like verbal stimming. You know, that's what he was doing. And that that was how he was putting himself to sleep, is that he would sound like a wolf. He doesn't do that anymore. But yeah, that's one of the very first symptoms that, looking back at it now, you know, led us to autism. One of the symptoms that I saw really early in Rocco, which is my firstborn, he would, he was seeking, he would take his hands and he would just scratch the, um, as if he was just needing to, he was grabbing the, the sheets. He would just scratch mm-hmm. the um, mattress in the crib. And when they, when he was 18 months old, they told us um, that they think that they thought that we, he had some sensory delay or sensory issues mm-hmm. and that we needed to go to an occupational therapist. Mm. And so we took a trip to the occupational therapist and at 18 months old, it just, it just seems too early for anybody to have any ability to have any kind of diagnosis or sure. tell you that there's something wrong. And we went to the occupational therapist and, I mean, had no clue what it was that we were hearing from the occupational therapist. It, nothing made sense. Mm-hmm. I know that they were saying that he was, you know, seeking and he was having sensory, um, he needed input. No one ever said autism. They were using words like delay. It just seemed like, you know, this is too early for anybody to give us this information. And, you know, finding out now that I know more about autism, what it was is that he was stimming. And um, those tendencies came out very, very early in my kids. Mm -hmm. The stimming, I think, started with both of them extremely early. Well, so were you the first one to mention to doctors or the therapist about autism, or did someone mention that you should have them tested? The doctor, um, so we went in for shots, and when we would go in for shots, it was kind of a nightmare. Um, I have uh, one of my sons, Rocco, uh, he is extremely strong, Mm -hmm. and so we had to get a lot of help. Uh, with the nurses went to hold him down when they would give him shots. And so uh, one of the nurses uh, went and talked to the doctor. And when we went in to talk to the doctor after the nurse had given shots, they mentioned that we should get the boys, or we should just get Rocco on the path to starting to get a diagnosis. I can't remember exactly what was suggested first. But Mm -hmm. honestly, we didn't take it very seriously because it just seemed too early. Yeah. And and so we, we kind of, we put it off a little bit. We put it off. The doctor mentioned it to us. They never said autism. But like I said, they they were using words like delay and um, developmental delay. 
doesn't isn't something that you usually hear. So it sounds like, well, they'll just catch up. You know what I mean? Sure. Like mm-hmm. they're maybe behind for a few months and maybe they'll catch up is kind of what I had in my head. And they were saying these words. So it was almost like, let's just get it six months. And if things aren't better in six months, then we'll start getting help. Yeah. And we kind of did that after we went to a visit with the occupational therapist. And when we finally did say, okay, it is time. We do need some more insight the boys were two, mm-hmm. and then it took six more months to get them diagnosed. So now I look back and I think that six months could have been really important, and I kind of wasted my time because I didn't take it seriously, and it turned out to be incredibly serious. Well, and I think that's part of, you know, as parents to kiddos on the spectrum, we oftentimes beat ourselves up you know, I, I should have done this earlier, I should have done this. And mm-hmm. it's really, though, once you get the diagnosis or at whatever stage you're in, it's you just, as soon as you acknowledge that and you have to move past it and just then start towards the action, what am I going to do about it? And so... Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But... Um, so both of the twins were diagnosed with autism, and then that was in 2016. They started, like, speech therapy, occupational therapy. Did they so do ABA? With, so when Rocco got diagnosed, it was, you know, by the time we got the diagnosis, we were a little bit prepared. We kind of knew what we were dealing with. Um when Rory got diagnosed, it was interesting because he, we didn't expect to cut him to come back with an autism diagnosis at all. Mm-hmm. We were prepared for having one diagnosis, but when they said, we're going to test Rory as well, we thought, well, you know, go ahead, tests aren't bad. It'll, you know, it'll show that he's, he's not autistic and then we can move forward. Sure. And it came back that it turns out that he does have autism and it was really shocking mm-hmm. and um, they're on completely different places on the spectrum and so after we got the diagnoses and both of them had the diagnoses we started with ABA mm-hmm. um, we were told that well we started with early intervention actually sure. somebody from our community center board came to the house and she would come once a week until she, she only came like six months until they turned three. Mm-hmm. And so once they turned three, that's when we got them uh, full, fully in ABA. And then from there, we started getting speech and then we went back to occupational therapy. And so they ended up with all three therapies and mm-hmm. it, it was it was a lot to okay. do. I, I just remember starting these therapies, and at first, none of it made any sense. Like the ABA, and specifically, um, I, I just couldn't really get what exactly their goal was. It took me quite a while, probably at least six months, before I started saying, "Okay, like maybe I see something working." Mm-hmm. But extremely confusing, all of the therapies that they suggest and why one's more important than the other. Yeah, and there's so many. When you receive that diagnosis, you're just kind of thrown into this world of information. And 
you know, this therapy is used for this and this therapy is used for that. And sometimes the therapies that, you know, what they're suggesting sometimes even contradicts almost like what the others are saying. And it's overwhelming right. for sure, because you're, you you want to make sure that you're making the best choice for your child and everyone's saying that this is the best and this is the best. No, this is the best. And then it just becomes so right. frustrating. And there was also, you know, a lot of you know, I live in Colorado, and I think that a holistic approach is really common as far as changing diets. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't personally, I, I didn't do any of that, um, but I did get a lot of advice. It, it was so mm-hmm. much advice that I couldn't see straight. Yeah. It was, you know, you can, if, if, if you change their diet, they'll do this, and I was told at one point by a friend that if um, we use CBD oil, they would magically, you know, have lessened, their their symptoms would be lessened. And Mm -hmm. I found that that's not necessarily completely true. And so, you know, you're willing to try anything as a parent, but there's almost too much information out there. I think things should be a little more narrowed down sometimes. Yeah. And everyone's different. You know, I yeah, think, we, you know, what works for one person may not work for another. And we constantly are hearing those stories as well. And along this journey with your twin boys, you know, you were researching and people were giving you all of this information. And then you kind of started noticing maybe yourself in some of the research that you were doing. I did. You know, um, I started researching from day one, as soon as we knew for sure that we were dealing with autism. And um, like I said, there's so much information out there and there's more than one theory as to why things are happening. And to kind of narrow it down, I started asking, you know, what should, I started asking therapists, like, what, who should I read? Like, what should I read? Because I, I, there was just too much information out there for me to narrow it down on my own. And I started hearing about a person named Temple Grandin. Mm-hmm. And Temple Grandin is from uh, Colorado, not far from Denver. And um, so she's very popular around here for sure. And so I, I watched the movie on HBO of her life. Mm-hmm. And at first it didn't click I just thought, you know, well, that's interesting that she likes to be held tight like that. And um, there's there's some things on in the movie that I found that were just a little different than my boys. And so I started looking into Temple Grandin specifically. And in listening to her books, I have I, I was introduced to the fact that um, autism presents differently in boys than it does in girls. And so I had been treated for mental illness on and off in my adult years. Mm-hmm. And we never really agreed with the diagnoses completely. I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and that didn't really fit. I was put on some medication and I gained like a hundred pounds in a year. Mm-hmm. And so then I was diagnosed, uh, since that didn't fit, I, my diagnosis just changed to borderline personality disorder. Mm-hmm. And some of these things just seemed to fit. So you, you're just like, okay, well, I guess this is 
what is going on with me. Just don't question it when the doctors are telling you that this is what's going on. Right. But I started recognizing, you know, I started recognizing some of my symptoms as actually sensory issues. And when I started reading more about females with autism specifically, it was very obvious that I thought, you know, it's very obvious that I was dealing with autism myself. Mm -hmm. With that said, trying to get a doctor to believe in me enough to give me an autism, a, a referral for any care in the autism realm was very difficult. Basically, I was just told to kind of focus on my mental health and that there was probably very, very little chance that I had autism. Interesting. And so I finally went to my family doctor and I said, I mean, you're going to give me an autism referral. And he said, no, I'm not. And I, I pretty much demanded it. And so I think just to get rid of me, he wrote the referral and I went to a doctor here in Denver and she was able to test me Mm -hmm. because there's actual tests that can be done. And so she tested me and it turned out that I actually do have autism. Hmm. And I didn't know until I was 37 years old. Wow. You had mentioned before when your boys were two and they were starting to get their diagnosis that there were certain things that were happening with you that you didn't quite understand and people didn't know how to diagnose that or what was going on. Can you explain a little bit of that? I was having some issues kind of, I guess it, it was just looked at as mental health issues. I was a brand new mom. And I had twin boys, and they both have their own special needs. And so I was I was kind of having a difficult time, as anyone would. Sure. And so when I started kind of complaining about some of my issues, I was hearing things and seeing things. And mm-hmm. so basically, I could close my eyes no matter where I was, and I could hear my kids screaming as if they were in the room, even if my kids weren't even in the house. And so they weren't really sure. I was actually admitted when they were two. I was actually admitted to the hospital. Mm -hmm. I was having, you know, depression symptoms and um, anxiety issues and this piece of me um, having auditory issues where I was hearing my kids. Um, It was looked at as that I was possibly, I had schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. And so they were one. They they put me in the hospital and observed me in higher care unit in a um, mental hospital here in Denver. And they decided after ten days that uh, they did not think that I had schizophrenia. And so they lowered my level of care. Mm-hmm. But I ended up being in the hospital for twenty days. Wow. And when I was in the hospital was the time where my kids were being, one of my kids was actually diagnosed while I was in the hospital. Mm. And so I think all of these symptoms, like I said, were sensory related. I think um, now that I know that I have autism, I can recognize like, maybe the light's too bright and I need to leave the room or mm-hmm. maybe the music's too loud and it's been too loud for too long and now it's starting to affect me. Like a sensory overload. It was like complete overload. Mm-hmm. I could um, I could close my eyes 
and it wouldn't get dark. It would be like I could close my eyes and it was like daytime. Yeah. Um, so I couldn't get away from the issues. I felt crazy. I really, I really just, nobody seemed to have any answers for me. It was, it was questioned whether or not I should go to uh, the state mental hospital for further testing. Yeah. And I ended up having, I fought against that. And luckily I was able to leave the hospital without being put into the state hospital. Mm. But had I never had my children, had they not been diagnosed with autism, I would have never known that I had autism. Yeah. And there's a big chance that maybe I could have been put into a state mental hospital and I would have never known anything about autism and I maybe would have lost my rights and my freedoms and it's so scary. a lot of things. It's very scary. If you found that there are significant differences. Like, is that, you know, the hearing of voices and things like that, does that, is that one of the ways that it presents itself in girls versus boys? Or Well, no, I don't think that has to do with gender. I think that piece there just has to do with the fact that I was so extremely overloaded. I had no support. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to manage what was going on. And so I think that due to the fact that my kids were two at the time, I had been overloaded for like two years. Yeah. So it wasn't just something that happened overnight. I think that it was definitely something that, you know, it it came about slowly, but surely I was overloaded and I could not get away from that feeling of just being completely, almost like I needed to get away from myself. It was extremely confusing. And everyone was telling me that I was mentally ill. And so, honestly, I didn't really have a way to explain, like, I don't think I'm mentally ill, but I can't really, I mean, once you are considered mentally ill, you lose your credibility in a way. Yeah. It was pretty scary. And you rely on people in the medical industry, like the doctors and people that are supposed to have this type of knowledge. You rely on them with providing you the accurate information. And if they're not, then unless you're doing research yourself, which, thank God you did, are you really able to wrap your brain about what's going on with you because we know our bodies better than anyone else right and so right this is what I'm finding as I I get older and I go through this I am finding that I am my best advocate yes we all have to be our best advocates and I think one great thing that that you're doing through your research and your advocacy is that you're really showing people that Yes, everyone is different, but you yourself, you know what it's like to be you. And with that, you're learning how to accept that for yourself and then also teach other people how to accept as well. Absolutely. Well, I think that it's interesting. Um, I think there's a lot of people that need the knowledge that I have, um, and I think even doctors Mm -hmm. have um, a hard time recognizing autism, and mm-hmm. especially in an adult who hasn't um, had a diagnosis as a child. And so I think just starting a conversation and and really just explaining kind of like this is 
this is what happened to me. I think that it, it could bring light to more than just parents or people who do have autism, but I think the, the mental health system needs to take a different approach to treating autism mm-hmm. and not even treating autism, but um, recognizing autism. I think that when you're given a diagnosis and it doesn't fit and it doesn't fit and then you start to be considered medication resistant or you start to be considered difficult, I think that there should be some type of awareness where people say, okay, well, let's send her in for an autism diag- or an autism assessment mm-hmm. and see if maybe we're not dealing so much with mental health we're dealing with something else underlying. And Mm -hmm. I don't see that that's happening. I think it would be difficult to get the laws changed so that people are forced to do these things. But I think it's just really important that even professionals sit back and say, okay, maybe it's not mental health. Like, maybe there's something else. Because for me, I had to fight for my diagnosis. Mm-hmm. I was the one, I was the one demanding, you're going to do this because I, I've, I've read this, 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 and this, and you know what I mean? Like, and I think that it's important to let people know that it is quite all right and actually encourage that if you really don't agree with a diagnosis that you need to get at least, at the very, very least, a second opinion or even a third opinion, and let them know that you don't agree with that diagnosis, and this is why. Because I guarantee you 99.9% of the world's population has symptoms with every diagnosis. Like if, if my child gets sick or if I get sick, the first thing I turn to is Google, and I Google the symptoms, and all these right. different things pop up of things that it right. could be ranging from cancer to whatever. And I think it's just really important, you know, to let people know that if they really in their gut don't feel like something's right with that, they need to push further. Absolutely. And the other, um, I mean, I think that the biggest problem with that is insurance doesn't want to pay for it. Yes. So, if mm-hmm. insurance won't pay for it, the doctors like sometimes won't even suggest it, mm-hmm. and that needs to. We, we need to, you know, work um, in Colorado. Something that has been really important to autism in the past decade or so. Um, there was a law put in place where autism is looked at as a medical as a medical condition and has to be treated as any other chronic medical condition. Yes. And so it's, um, it's not that way in every state. That's right. And so here, because I forced the issue, they recognized that they did need to pay for it, and it was something that I was entitled to. But I don't think that that's happening everywhere. No, it's I think not. that, you know, there are definitely places where people say, people can say, okay, recognize I have autism, I may have autism, and I need to see someone. There's no one to see. Right. And that is kind of the scary part about the way that autism is approached in not only the mental health field, but other areas of medicine. It's not recognized in a lot of situations if you're not a child. And so Mm -hmm. um, in finding out that my kids had autism, 
I was able to see this stuff in myself. But if, if you're a mom or a dad and you have children with autism and you're dealing with major mental health issues, mm-hmm. there's a possibility that you yourself could be dealing with very least sensory issues or some type of some of the same symptoms that your child deals with, but maybe in a different way. Sure. Yeah. They say that um, most children that have autism have at least one parent with autistic traits. Mm-hmm. I think that's true. I definitely, I don't want to say that because it drives me nuts when people say, aren't we all a little autistic? That that really kind oh, of bothers me <laughs> to, to my very core. Um, because again, it just kind of goes back to say, well, you know, we all have certain symptoms or things that present themselves in a way that could be considered autistic, but that doesn't mean that we're autistic. But I do understand exactly what you're saying in that there could be definitely a genetic component for it, for sure. I know I have certain things that I do that really until my son's diagnosis did I really kind of think and scratch my head on. It's like, wait, gosh, I see myself sometimes in my son. Um, And so it's definitely something to think about. Well, it's something, you know, as a parent with children with autism, taking care of yourself is hardly you know, your number one thing on your to-do list. And so if you're hot, I mean, if you're having a hard time, mm-hmm. there's definitely, you know, there, there could be more to it. And I think that it's difficult to see in yourself. Um, I know that when mm-hmm. I started doing the research and started recognizing it, I went, nah, a few times. Uh, and I think yeah. that there were definitely, you know, it, it came to me when I would do certain things or certain things would happen and I went, wait a minute, okay, that could have been this instead of this. And mm-hmm. it was it was pretty eye-opening to uh, say the least. Sure. Well, I just, it's been such a pleasure speaking with you and I am so proud of you, not only for just being a courageous mother to twin boys who are both on the spectrum, but you yourself are on the spectrum and you're using your voice to advocate for, you know, changes in the treatment of autistic people and the mental health system and just in general therapy. And I think that the stronger your voice, of course, you have a whole tribe here that are, we're all (laughs) trying to make your voice as strong as we can. Because that's what it takes, right, to make positive change in all of this. and It really does. It's just a conversation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just like we were talking before, the positivity and some of the things that I'm doing. um, I have a lot of followers on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And I use my platform there to spread awareness about autism in many many different topics. And um, I try to bring light to uh, autism through um, conversations in my community, and I, I collaborate with businesses, and I use my platform of autism, and I connect it with beauty and wellness and health and fashion and all these kind of fun things to help bring light to uh, the situation in fun ways. That's awesome. And that's that's really what it's all about is just 
finding your own path and making, you know, your own journey into all of that. And we're all on different paths for sure, but it's amazing. And I, I encourage you. I'm so inspired by you and I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with my autism tribe on your journey. And we're just really excited to see all of the amazing things that are headed your way. Well, thank you so much. And, uh, you know, your podcast is definitely inspiring me as well. No matter what your journey and how hard and frustrating it may be, know that there are many people out there on a similar journey. Maybe they're on a different path, perhaps they're making different choices, but at the end of the day, isn't it everyone's goal to reach the same destination? Happiness, acceptance, inclusion, to love and to be loved. Thanks for being a part of my autism tribe.